I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Putting a tag in is easy. It's all the other hardware and software and then how you're going to use it and all of that stuff that's, um, yeah, the tags are, I think, they're, they're the easy part. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice Podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the Farms Vice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Vice and let's get into this episode. So this episode tacks on to last weekend's episode with Clayton South an operator, a farmer, grazier, pastoralist out in the paddock, actually doing the work, tagging them, but actually using the data to improve his own mob. This episode, we'll be talking to Sally Martin from Sheetmetrics. They're an independent consultancy business working as an all-women team, mind you, with ram and commercial sheep breeders to improve productivity and profitability with data. And it was a great episode. We didn't get it out in time enough with Rural Women's Day, but it is a cracking episode and they're doing a stellar job, and Sally's expertise will play through in this episode. So let's get into it. G'day and welcome to the Farms Advice podcast. Great to have you on, Sally Martin, on Rural Women's Day um, in here in Australia. How's everything going with you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, a bit wet, but other than that, going very well. Thank you. It's actually very soaking. I do like to kick it off with the weather. How is the weather? And you've had a fair bit of rain down there. Uh, yeah, look, we had another inch last night. Yeah, it's pretty saturated and yeah, everything's looking a bit sad, but it is looking very green. So, uh, you know, you can't have one without the other. It went underfoot, but yeah, that green grass is coming through. You actually beat us. We had nearly 17 mil. Um, usually we try to beat each other, but at the moment we want that less, uh, that millage to come down a little bit for us. Um, but interesting to see how it all pans out, but it's better being green as sheep producers anyway yeah absolutely <laughs> so let's get into who you are sally where you come from 
Um, and what brings you into your role today with Sheet Metrics and yourself? What's your background? Yeah, thanks. Uh, so my background, I grew up on the Monero. Uh, we've got a grazing property down there, sheep and cattle. My father and uh, brother are still down there farming. Yep. And so I grew up um, pretty well involved in, in the farm. Uh, you know, mum would be drenching sheep while us kids were playing up and down the race. And uh, so... You know, my introduction to uh, work, Dad used to organise shearing during school holidays. So, you know, that was always um, a bit fun. I went to uh, Hawkesbury and did an ag degree and then um, worked for the ag department for about 20 years and then left there about 12 years ago and set up my own business. So Sheep Metrics is that, that business basically and we help farmers um, sheep producers collect data, analyze it, uh, put a lot of data into sheep genetics. So working with a lot of ram breeders as well. Beautiful. And sheep sheep metrics. What is that, and what does it encompass? Who are you working with? Um, expanding on what you just said. I, so sheep metrics. There's four of us who work in the business. Uh, we're all female and um, do a lot of data collection. We're collecting a lot of DNA samples with with producers. As I said, we work with a lot of uh, ram breeders. Yep. So across Australia, we've got a number of clients in New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, and WA. And predominantly, we um, yeah collect a lot of the information, help manage their data, and if their ram breeders putting a data into sheep genetics to get breeding values. We've also got a few clients um, overseas, which is. Um, it's cool to work with them in completely different environments and in the Falklands, uh, Patagonia and, and Spain. And the main reasons that we're connected with them is that they're utilising Australian genetics, so putting their data into sheep genetics. So it really shows a, a great um, advantage in terms of our data set that we have in here in Australia. Yeah, certainly. So that was the draw card that got you across the ocean um, to these outside boundaries of Australia. So that, that you sort of followed the genetics you were working with in Australia and then they were sold overseas? Uh, well, actually, they found me. Um, so th they were wanting to put uh, the, the bre uh, breeders over overseas, wanted to put data into sheep genetics and needed someone to help them uh, navigate the Australian, um, I guess, landscape in that, in that space. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, um, they actually found found me, I think, a Google search, which was pretty cool. <laughs> got Google to leading you to Sally and Sheep Metrics. But the reason I got you on today, I think everyone was maybe a little bit flustered, annoyed, concerned, worried, or keen for the mandatory EID, electronic identification for sheep and goats and what it actually means for producers, whether you're a bit close to the ocean or you're out in the Western districts, especially speaking from New South Wales, um, and how that may change for yourself. What does mandatory EID mean for you and how do you see the benefits and maybe disadvantages um, of moving by like a chop of the knife on 2025? Yeah, it's a good question. And Victoria have already gone down that path. So we do have uh, a, 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 an example for, for us to be able to learn, you know, what worked, what didn't work, what can we improve? Even working with the Department of Ag and the Sheep CRC early on, I, we've been utilising electronic tags or electronic identification to capture information for a long time, with, whether that be trials or, or breeders ourselves. Yeah. And so I, 
you know, the mandatory EID is about traceability and, you know, predominantly the catalyst has been the biosecurity. So I think the actual true benefits and return on investment on the farm level is actually how you can capture lifetime information on animals and make and use that data to then make more informed decisions, whether that be management, breeding or animal health. You know, but, you know there's a number of different ways that you can use it. So from my perspective, I think it's a great opportunity and we probably and I, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Um, but I think and part of you know the, the conversation that we've been ha having is, have a really clear plan on how you're going to implement it. Um, so I think um, the mandatory side of it is going to be phased in and we're going to learn more about that, I guess, in the coming months and how they're going to, how they want us to do that. But I'd be thinking, well, how am I going to get that return on investment on farm um, and the traceability becomes, even though very important, so I'm not dismissing the importance of it, but for an on-farm perspective, you know, it potentially comes a little bit secondary. Yeah, definitely. And before like, we started press play on recording this episode, you mentioned something that you may be concerned about with ERD coming in mandatory for all states and territories within Australia. What what are you concerned about bringing this in um, probably suddenly? Um, my main concern is it's it's not that it's not useful. I think it's about people going out and purchasing a heap of equipment. So I think to put a tag in, to put an electronic tag in is easy. Yep. It's all the hardware and software that goes with it to be able to then to manage it um, and to utilise the data that you're collecting and know what to collect, when to collect it and all that type of stuff. That's where the bigger expenses are. And my concern is that people go and buy a heap of gear and then it sits in the shed in bubble wrap and they haven't used it you know, in two or three years' time because they don't have a plan. They don't know the best way to, to use it and capture that information. So my, I guess my advice would be have a really clear plan in terms of what you want to be able to do with this information. And there's no point in collecting data if you're not going to use it. Yeah. Um, save your time and, and, and money and, and go to the pub or something, you know. So I don't think, uh, I really think having a, um, and start simple, get get the fundamentals, get the basics right. And then as you grow with your confidence, you can start adding more traits or and, and things like that. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And everyone can probably overstep their, um, their comfortable boundary of what they're comfortable with measuring currently at the moment. It's all well and good to bring in every, every tool and fancy flash thing going on the market. You may get a fancy Facebook ad put towards you that may be applicable to EID software as such. Um, but taking those baby steps from plan one, step one, what is step one? Uh, is that looking at our breeding objectives of what we actually want to achieve? We've got the EID in the ears of our sheep, our goats, um, as per se. What is that next sort of step outlining our breeding objectives? Yeah, definitely. That's that's definitely one of the first steps. So having a clear breeding objective, what is it that you are trying to achieve with your your breeding program? It could even be a trading program. So you go, they'll already have um, tags, so it might be growth rate. You, know, you just want them to grow and you want to know which ones are growing quicker 
Uh, so even if you've got ones that aren't growing as quick, they're actually potentially costing you more money because you still have to feed them a similar amount. So there could be, and depending on your enterprise structure, um, yeah, so definitely the breeding objective, having a, uh, that quite clear in terms of where you're starting, what you want to achieve and what your time frame is. I think that's really important too because that will then help to decide what traits then you should be collecting data on and the time that you should collect those that data. For example, if you're interested in early growth, yep. then there's, you, you need to collect the, the body weights at weaning and, and you know, 100, um, you know, 200 days in that early stage of life um, not necessarily at adult age. So, you know, simple. I, I say there's simple things like that, but just going through that process of when what data is important to you to make your decisions when you want to make them. Yeah, definitely. And probably more so on the terminal, um, your terminal lambs that you do want to get those early growth rates into if that's what you're looking for, for the meat lamb um, market, getting those off into there. But First of all, why collect individual animal data data for this? Like, what's your reasoning why producers out there should look to collect individual data? I think when you start looking at individuals, you can start to fine tune. There's no silver bullets out there. It's very much about fine tuning and it's a value add. You can still do mob-based data collection, have an idea of what the mob weighs and what its growth rate is. But what you'll always have is that bell curve where you've got ones that are going to be extremes at potentially either ends and ones in the middle. So it depends if you want them. Uh, and as I gave that example in terms of growth rate, so the ones that are growing quicker are potentially going to cost you less in terms of feed intake to be able to get to that those turnoff weights quicker. Yeah. You might actually go, right, well, We've got we've got actually got ten percent that haven't been putting you know that might be putting on twenty grams a head a day or something and you've got others that are putting on one hundred and fifty to to two hundred and fifty grams so you might just go right well that ten percent we're just going to draft off and sell them yeah so save him yeah so it's really just very much depends on you know this this season might be slightly different because you've got a, an abundance of feed but at a different time of year different season, droughts, it gives you opportunities to utilise that variation that you might have to, um, but you could be feeding them differently. Condition scoring is another one. Um, condition scoring you use at weaning time, so you've got your fats and skinnies. Feed up your skinny ones because they're probably the ones that read the twins and you want them to be able to get into condi a decent condition to get them back in lamb. So, you know, just think many things like that. Yeah, so it's probably taking the eye of the farmer, the producer, um, and actually turning that eye into um, data-backed data figures that you can actually go to and maybe in the long run, that consistency, two, three years of utilising the data, you can actually go, hey, this is those skinnier ewes, they are producing the ewe lambs, but three years earlier, I was actually turning them off and sending them into market thinking that they were just poor. Mm. Uh, raising the singles or not even raising one at all, depending if you wet and dry them or scanning yeah. and such. Yeah, for sure. The other thing that the data is also giving you is feedback on your management yeah. and your management strategy. So if you're not feeding them well, it's giving you some feedback on, on how they're performing. And I think the other the other part of that planning process, so the breeding pro objective is one of it, 
but it's also thinking about, well, how do we want to stage this implementation of the EID system? Yeah. And it may be that we need to have a bit of time to be able to understand what gear we need. Uh, do we need to go out and buy um, a, a, an auto drafter, for example, or do we find someone who has an auto drafter who can actually come in when we need them and do the job and then leave again so we don't actually have that capital investment? You might get to a point where you go, right, well, now's the time that we want to buy that. But that could be two or three years down the track. So I think having um, an idea about your level of expertise and how involved you want to be in that data collection process and then or looking for other people that may also be able to come in do that job so we go out and do a lot of fleece weighing and um, mid-size sampling for, for growers yep. so, and we'll just come in do the job go come and then email them the data or we do some more stuff with it so you, you can have varying levels of um, involvement and also investment in hardware software as well yeah and that brings me into my next one the tools that you can use alongside eid we spoke about your concern of everyone going out and buying the equipment and not actually utilizing the functionality of improving their herd, their mob um, alongside using the technology. What tools are actually available currently that we can start to use the functionality um, of these? So, I, uh, well, I suppose you've got, um, in terms of just quickly the hardware, yeah. You've either got to have um, like an indicator that you can collect data on, something to be able to read the tag that talks to that. They're yep. um, so talking it, about a draft and a wand. You can have a, a stick read, yeah, a stick read or a wand, a panel reader. You've got your auto drafters. You've got your sheep handlers, for example, um, or goat handlers. Yeah, so any of that type of equipment, a lot of that can be integrated and talk with different products. Sometimes you need to find out whether everything does work together and that's part of that research and um, that, that I think is really important to be able to have, be able then to go, we want to make decisions in real time. So the sheep going through the yards, us having the information there um, at hand to go, right, yes, we're going to keep that one, we're upgrading, we're downgrading, we're, you know, whatever the decisions might be. Um you know, if we've got micron premiums that come back, back, um, we were drafting sheep into micron cap categories and shearing them in the sheds. So, you know, there are other things that you can use the information for to, and even to help with marketing as in, um, you know, when you're selling stock or, um, and I think also that whole traceability in terms of integrating um, in, like integrity schemes um paddock to plate type thing and, and all those things are going to become more and more important capturing um you know whether you vaccinated that animal or not there's a number of um we're just working with a company at the moment where where we're looking at um the application of a, a drench for weight there's a there's a number of products on there so that it might save you money in the long run so I guess utilizing some of those tools as part of that EID package, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. And once you sort of get a grip on it, put literally put the ear tags into the ear and start to see what your breeding objective is, whether it's working commercially 
and four studs uh, ram breeders out there quite the same or are they using it in different ways do you think obviously more individual um, management for stud rams or stud use or something like that or is it the exact same copy paste uh, look, it's similar. I'd say the commercial breeder can be more sim um, simpler, like a simpler system. The the ram breeder ne needs to be collecting traits at certain times and actually man having big enough management groups so we've got decent cohorts to be able to compare, whereas a commercial breeder, for example, uh, if we were to go in and take out the dead set culls, and then say so you might take out 10% of the dead set culls, you know, bad feet, bad backs, whatever it might be, structure, measure the rest, and then um, make your decisions based on that information. Whereas a ram breeder, we should be collecting the whole, whole cohort, culls and all, because we want to be able to see that true spread. Um, and so we don't want to bias the data. So there's some slight differences, similar um, fundamental yeah. um, okay. similarities but um, we can probably simplify things at the commercial level. Yeah, cool. So going off that example of um, culling the 10% from the structure, bad feet or something like that, maybe their clips is not what you want um, or it's not producing well enough for you. Do you expect that decision later on in two years to be reducing that actual cull number, that percentage? So in a couple of years, you could, or 10 years, you could be culling only 5%. So you've actually improved your overall herd uh potentially yep. what um with culling what we're doing is we're using that bell curve again and so the more so the higher your weaning rates the more selection pressure you can put on and so actually culling you know can't i'm just saying that the dead set culls that are visually structurally not yep. not a, not going to make it yep. um so that may be the same depending on you may make some, you know, great inroads with your ram selection as well. So whatever your breeding objective and you're selecting you use for, you need to make sure that that's mirrored with your ram selection as well. So they're complementary. Yep. But, uh, but you might actually then go, well, we're actually going to put greater pressure on certain other traits and actually make some more inroads. So, it, again, it depends on where your flock starts to, to which traits you might be um, utilising to um, put more pressure on to make more gains, if you like. Yeah, yeah, beautifully put. I think for Studway at looking at it, um, everyone's probably looked to buy the RAM that's most suitable for the use, but are those used most suitable to that RAM and how can you sort of, what you said, you, you utilise it as complementary um, joining and how that can actually build up your flock to, like those lambs are going to be, um, more improved rather than if you didn't use the data back decision. Is that it? Yeah, look, there's definitely, I think, you know, as people get down the track and have more information, they can then potentially put more emphasis on their joining decisions yeah. and potentially, yeah, as I know we do this with ram breeders because we've got the full, pe full pedigree and so we can actually look at, yeah, whether you call it complementary mating or it's strategic mating so that we're actually having genetic gain, you can do that at a commercial level, but it's just you don't have that full pedigree option. I know that there's a number of options out there, but they're not really economically feasible at that commercial level at the moment. That doesn't mean that they won't be in the future. But um, 
you know, you can collect some data, some basic stuff, say for merino breeders might be um, a, a way to fleece weight a micron uh, and and then you, you start looking at your reproduction. You could pretend, generate an index, you could rank those sheep so that you understand the correlations between the different traits and then you could use that information then to cull out, say, that 30%, you know, the next 20% to give you your 30 where you can also use that later on too is that say we get a you know we've had a very wet season when we go back into a drought if you instead of taking out an age group you could re-rank those those um use within their, their their current age groups and take off a percentage across the bottom so effectively what you're doing is you're keeping the use that are more productive um, and better genetics and taking off that that bottom tier across all age groups. So, you know, it gives you, I guess, some more flexibility to make some decisions rather than just going, well, we're just going to take out one age group, which might be, uh, you know, still quite productive. Yeah. Yeah, I think once you have the data, the world's your oyster. I'm actually quite sick of saying that um, on the podcast because I say it with different guests um, within the different realms of agriculture. But it really is what you make of it um, from that data once you've collected it and how you actually utilise it to improve your flock, your herd. Um, and also if you're selling on further, that's going to improve your client. Um, your clientele's production as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And some really key key traits, um, both at the start and, and commercial level, like pregnancy scanning, for example, it, it's such a valuable piece of information to be able to then use that to split use up into singles and twins and or triplets um, early, you know, whether they're an early, mid or late, you know, in stage of pregnancy, um, you can start allocating feed, paddocks, nutrition, better, better shelter for the twin twinning use. And, you know, there's a whole raft of things that you can then use that to make some really important management decisions. And then the other part of where you can use that, if you lamb down in singles and twins, you can capture that information about those lambs. So whether they're born a single or born a twin, and then use that later on when you start classing them. Because instead of, you know, we often like the big shiny <laughs> animals, they go, yeah, they're, they're, they're fantastic. But it could be the firstborn lamb out of a five-year-old ewe, yeah. whereas we overlook the, the late-born twin. So the late-born twins' genetics could still be, um, you know, could be just as good as that first-born single. So having that information just helps to take away, uh, I guess, some of that um, your bias when you're classing them as well and being able to identify which ones um, may be in those different categories. So there's a whole raft of things that you can use the that pregnancy scanning data for that, that's not just about, lambing them down too yeah as the saying goes you probably you don't know what you don't know and once that data comes through you're more informed about what that is and you probably got your bias out in the yards as well so you've probably been removing sheep that you didn't need to um from that for breeding and the management decision what sort of management decisions come off this and what are the low-hanging fruits i'd imagine the you pregnancy um finding out who's having singles, who's dry, who's having twins as well. Do you think that would be the lowest hanging fruit? 
Oh, it'd be one of them, definitely. Um, and then bringing them through at lamb, landmarking or weaning time, wet and drying. A lot of these strategies have been out there for a long time, but what we start to do is we use them more as a, we've been maybe mob-based, and so this starts to be able to refine it down to that individual. I've got a client that's been recording pregnancy scanning, a commercial client for a number of years, and we went back through the data and out of, I think, the older age group, there was, you know, I think there was close to 15%, um, might have been 20%, that had had twins year on year. So they were, um, and so what you start doing is identifying those those animals and, and not necessarily treating them, that, you know, they were, he was managing them, condition scoring them and, and making sure that their nutrition was adequate so that they could perform. It's when we don't give them those opportunities and we think, well, you know, they haven't performed well, but, you know, is that part of our, our decision-making process that's at fault? So, um, yeah, in terms of um, your breeding, I think, yeah, having that clear breeding objective and, and making sure your ram selection, they're, they're, they're your accelerator, um, making sure your ram selection's um, good in that space and, and can, can take you take you forward for the key traits that are important. Definitely. For your like client base, um, who you're working with, what are the most common questions when they first come to you, sort of around the on, onboarding stage of EID, utilising, they put the tags in earlier or something, and now they're keen to measure? Yeah, often uh, often we do get people that have actually gone, we've bought all this gear, now we know, want to know how to work use it. Um, but I like to work the other way and go, well, what do we want to do? And then go and find the gear that's fit for purpose. Um, so that that's probably a big part of it. And how we integrate that into the system. So, for example, you know, are your yards set up yeah. well, well enough to be able to put an auto drafter in to be able to capture this? Um, if you can have a, a piece of equipment that's actually in a fixed position, you'll probably use it more. Yeah. Um, you know, there, and there's been a lot of work that the Sheep CRC did that, um, for example, in terms of growth, if if you do a, uh, you know two to three body weights on on animals, and if their growth curve isn't, um, you know, going in at the speed that you want it to be, then it probably won't. And they're the ones that are going to cost you money, like I mentioned before. So being able to identify those early enough so then you can then make that decision, right, we're just going to get rid of them or we put them in the back paddock and, and, and you know, because we've got enough feed, we're not going to rush to get rid of them. So it, many decisions can be made, but it's having, um, again, knowing the data that, that you need to help, you know, speed up that process. Yeah, if you don't have the data, you can't measure, right? So if you just have um, conventional tags, you can't actually collect, you're just being a little bit biased by the farmer's eye, the producer's eye. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, the days are gone where we had, you know, a number tag and we would write it down and do it manually. So you can still collect data. It's just you have more chances of having, um, I guess, data integrity, yeah. Uh, you know, whether you read the tag correctly, yeah. mis misinterpret writing it down. I've had some situations where we potentially had 15% of the data that was corrupted because it wasn't done properly or written down, you know, when it was done manually. So there's a, 
The EID system is about speeding up. Um, you can do things a lot quicker. You can program your auto drafter to, to draft on pregnancy scan. You don't have to have a heap of dots and different colour tags and, and all of those things. So yeah, it's about helping you with efficiency, labour efficiencies as well. And, uh, and that's where I think making sure that you're starting off gradually and building up so your expertise increases as you can as you start using it. And the more you use it, the more you'll start getting out of it. Yeah, I think that's really important when looking at that and just seeing where you could use it for yourself. But maybe like integration with current um, stock software system for your livestock. Um, how does that work? Integrating the new data set into it is it quite seamless, or is it? You've got a little bit of work to do there in establishing the readability for the producer. Again, I'd probably go back and go, um, so some, uh, how do we answer this? Some, some is seamless, some is not. <laughs> so unfortunately, there's not, as I said, one size fits all. There's a number of different products out there and people may be quite happy just to have an indicator that they have their data on without having a software package they can still run it in excel for you know for the time being then progress to a, a a computer package i guess you've got to weigh up the cost of how much a lot of these will um will be and what your return on your investment is going to be in terms of how often you're going to use it and to make those decisions and i think that's pro probably the conversation there's a lot of there's a number of software packages out there. There's a number of systems. There's a number of apps um, that also monitor, you know, paddock movements and and out, but they don't don't really cater for um, a lot of in depth individual animal data capture. So I think it's yeah that there's a lot of there's probably still a lot of a development to, to happen and. Um, yeah, I probably don't have the complete answer at this stage. It really depends on the level of expertise that people want to have too as well. Yeah, absolutely. And going through the bit of the process that you um, take people through, the last one is actually, it's, remind me, it's review, monitor, and is it analyse, the last one? Yeah, I like to, every year we, we just, we, we would always have a review of, or it could even be six months. How's, how, how are we going? Is this working? Are we getting the information that we want? Usually what happens is if we start really simply, a lot of people go, right, well, we actually want to start adding more. And and then it depends on, for example, uh, you know, what, what's driving their breeding objective. If they want to, for example, transition to non-mules, then what the traits that we need to be collecting and um, and looking at are probably slightly different to someone who might have already transitioned but so yeah the um i guess the starting point for people is um getting that information and what we i really do like to be able to do is to have some benchmarks where do we where are we starting are we um progressing in in the areas that we want to and we're going to have seasonal variations and so once we get a reasonable amount of, you know, a couple of years of data, you know, those rolling averages start to, to take out some of that environmental differences. But um, 
yeah, we can still we can still keep tracking where we're heading. Beautiful. Well, Sally, I think coming on to this and sort of fleshing out what's going on um, around the mandatory act coming in, is it an act? Um, coming in about EIDs and just sort of filtering through the chaos of what cheap farmers, goat producers out there sort of thought it initially was, but it's not as scary as it first thought, is it? Oh, look, uh, I mean, I'm probably a bit biased because I've been working in this space for for a while, but look, there's a lot of people, there's a number of people out there who have expertise in this area. Yep. And so I think, you know, finding people that you can align yourself with to, to help you yep. um, would be a really a good idea. And even though I, th I think the easiest thing is going to be putting tags in, it's all the other stuff that potentially comes with it that I think that people will need to have that clear plan in terms of how they might implement it so that they're not spending money to then think, oh, well, we've just spent all this, but we really should have spent $1,000 more with so, and we could have, you know, had um, been able to do a lot more with it later on. So I do think one, uh, one thing that is important is in that plan is to have... Um, that opportunity to be able to integrate new ag tech developments as they come on yeah. and and being able to think, well, I only want to collect this at the moment, but have the scope to be able to collect more later on. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I think that will go to benefit all producers, whether you're commercial, rare breeders, studs, um, more so as well. But for the listeners in this, the 10,000 land producers and great producers that listen to the podcast, if I manifest it, it will happen. Um, what what would be the one piece of farms advice you would like to pass on from this episode? Uh, look, I think the traceability side of things is going to become more and more important. So I just embrace this and 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 uh, don't don't be don't be frightened to put the tag in at landmarking and collect decent information to then um, make those decisions rather than putting the tag in just before they go to sale. Um, I think the this is potentially providing us an opportunity to um, continue on a lot of the work that the Sheep CRC and other, other organisations have done over the past 20 years. And there's a lot of breeders out there, producers that have been using this gear, um, using the technology. So in terms of learning from others that have gone there and done that and, and learn, learn from their mistakes, a lot of everyone's you know, happy to share. share. So um, I think that that's probably where we've got the experience from Victoria, but a lot of people in New South Wales, for example, and other states have been using this technology for a long time. So it, it's not um, and it's not as scary as I think people might consider it. No, definitely not. And luckily for Victoria being the guinea pig, um, to actually showcase what the possibilities are and also the teething issues that may um, happen across the time. But as I sort of say on each podcast, not every farm is the same and obviously mm -hmm. your own teething issues, dealing with data, um, dependent also the person that's probably managing and looking to take this on within the different farming dynamics can all change with that as well. What's your experience with the people? Yeah, definitely. And look, I've, we've got some clients that, that we still do everything for. They'll text us um, photos of stuff still. So, um, yeah, if, if you, you can do as much 
as you want or as little as you want. There, there are people, um, businesses like ours who can support you along the way and but it doesn't mean that you can't just because you're not doing all of the the hands-on side of the data collection or anything like that doesn't mean you can't use the information to make decisions so um i I'd, and as you become more familiar with things most of them are reasonably intuitive yep. i find and um but again the more you often use things it's like you know using your your iPhone or your, your your cell phone that they were bag phones back in back in the day and you had press buttons whereas now everything's just everything's at your fingertips um, Bluetooth and talking to one another and um, yeah beautiful well Sally thank you very much for coming on to the podcast and painting a much clearer picture for anyone out there um, sheep and goat producers right across Australia. I'm sure they would have got a fair bit out of that. Um, some great farms advice being shared. But how can people contact you if they're looking um, to get some more information past what this episode provided? Okay, so we've got a website that you can contact us through, which is probably the easiest or face. Um, yes, we've got a um, social media. So, yeah, just Sheep Metrics um, and Metrics is M-E-T-R-I-X. Uh, .com.au and uh, yeah we can um, go down the path we're looking at running a few workshops um, early next year we're currently running one at the moment which we're fully subscribed and we hope to have some online options for people as well to be able to uh, do this a little bit more remotely so just yeah. you know a bit of refresher and and yeah don't don't hesitate to reach out yeah, nice and accessible. I'll have this in the show notes anyway. So if you want to go to Sheep Metrics, click on whatever platform you're listening on. And you'll be able to find Sally and the team there. Sally, thank you very much for coming on to Farms Vice Podcast. My pleasure and great job. Love listening to your podcast too. Thank you for tuning in to the Farms Advice Podcast. It is produced by Advert Your Eyes Digital, the agribusiness marketing specialist. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the farm's advice. If you love this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming. You can't actually see what I'm wearing for every conversation, but be sure I'm wearing a farm's advice green, as I like to call it, kindly supplied by Stockman & Co. By the farmers, for the land. Jason team over there do a stellar job, so check them out at stockmanandco.com. Get some quality work shirts, footy shorts, hats and more for this summer. Make sure you use the discount code that they supplied just for Farms Vice listeners. Farms Vice 10. Make sure you get into it. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms Vice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country for Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 